Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 857. That's right, Advent Health, with the support of world-class expertise in whole-person care. It's time to feel whole with Advent Health. To learn more, visit adventhealth.com. Uh, this would be um, the 1950s is the musical theme for the bridge today. Uh, this sounds like Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future, that guitar riff. So I'm gonna go. Um, uh, what was what was Chuck Berry's cousin's name in Back to the Future? Mark Daniels, Marvin, Marvin Berry. Okay. Is this Chuck Berry? Yeah, it is Chuck Berry. <laughs> Always thought the Beatles did roll over Beethoven. Hmm. Hmm. Are you interested in the Tom Brady movie, Mark Daniels? Am I interested? I've already yeah. purchased my ticket online. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Sally Fields in mm-hmm. it? Lily Tomlin? Yeah. It's got Cannonball Run written all over it. <laughs> I just think at, Burt Reynolds I, and Don DeLuise next, and I'm all set. Uh, Sid Caesar. If only Burt were still around to be in there. Yeah. I watched the remake the other day of uh, The Longest Yard. It was on TV, the Adam Sandler Longest Yard, and Burt was obviously in that. He was in the original as well. That was a pretty good movie. Well, the original's a good movie. The, you know, the, the, the remake wasn't bad. It's all right. It's okay. okay. you got to respect right. the original, though. Chris Berman's in the, the remake, sitting up there in the booth with, with, with the prisoner. One of the highlights of his broadcasting career, I'm sure. Uh, I think Brady will be a decent actor. Although Stefan brought this up earlier, like he'll be, you know, how prepared Brady uh, is. He'll he'll be like like, you know, coaching up Sally Field, telling her to read this line differently. Mm. No, Sally, this is how you read it. This is how you read that line. Yeah. Just an interesting uh, choice of um, <clears throat> actresses to work in the movie with Tom. Yeah, I guess there. Uh, I guess it's a bunch of the the theme of the movie or the gist of the movie. A bunch of old Patriots fans make a road trip to go watch uh, the Patriots in the Super Bowl with Tom mm-hmm. Brady. So. You think Giselle said nobody under seventy can star next to my husband in a movie? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Giselle's worried too much right. about Tom. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, what do you think about the? Uh, what do you think about this baseball thing? The deadline Monday? Are they going to start canceling games? Do you think that's just leverage, or do you think baseball is serious about it? 
Are they serious about what? Canceling games? Yeah, if they don't come to an agreement by Monday. Well, there's no other option. I mean, it's not, it's, you know, I mean, you have to get a, a season in. You can't keep pushing the season back, which now does end in November if we go deep into the World Series. So, you know, it's not like it's a threat going, or we'll cancel games. Well, no blank. You just don't have enough days if you're going to keep pushing things back. Uh, look, um, you know my love for baseball. Um, we'll get a season in. I don't know how long it's going to be. My guess is, as Scott Harris asked me yesterday, I said we may play, I don't know, 125, 132 games, and that's fine. I, I, I had no issue if we shortened the Major League Baseball season from 162 to 140 or 125. I don't think the, the purity of the game is damaged by that. Um, and, and the fact that the two sides at least continue to talk is a good thing. Whether they're making progress, that's to be measured by uh you know, those involved in the meetings. So this is typical stuff. Um, they still have serious issues, but, I mean, they're going to cancel games because the calendar is such that you're not going to be able to get games in. Okay. I don't want to know, like, all the boring details of what they're fighting over, but is this accurate? Is this general fact accurate? All right. Is uh, of... All the money that they're fighting over. I think baseball has $10 billion in annual revenue. Is it true that the owners are trying to take back more of a share of the money than they than they have gotten in the previous uh, CBAs? Um, in, other words, in other words, they want a bigger percentage now than previous CBAs. Is that true? Um, yeah, it is in some areas. Look, you have owners that feel like the system doesn't work for them. You have players that just laugh. You have players that believe that the owners who are making money outside the stadium, like we've talked about in these districts that they've built and these businesses that are attached to stadiums with restaurants open 365 days a year, players believe that that revenue should be part of the revenue in the model. Do <laughs> the you? Owner... I don't. Um, what, I th- what if what if the, what if the restaurant goes under? Are the are the players gonna are they gonna pay back or no? Well, but but there's an argument that that exists because the baseball team is there, and when you make money on game day, why should that not be counted as game day revenue? That's an argument. I mean, that's one of many many issues. Look, baseball salaries have gone down. One of the arguments the uh, players have is they want to see owners spend more money. Well, what's mm-hmm. happened is the, the, the raise model means you don't have to spend as much. And the average salary has gone down, which is incredibly rare in a pro sport. So players are like, well, you know, we want salaries to go up. And that's part of the battle. Then when you get to be a free agent, things like that. It's always about money. Each side claims that they... You know, either A, players want more, the owners think that the players get uh, too much, and then there's many other details along the way there. But there's some really interesting topics that were inevitable to to come before us. Um, Player service time, the manipulation by uh, owners or or GMs uh, with that, players wanting freedom earlier. Um, You know, then throw in things like the restructuring of minor league baseball, which I still don't think they're going far enough. Uh, You know, as much as they don't want to see people lose jobs and towns to lose teams that have built stadiums for them, uh, the the model 
for baseball is antiquated. You don't need four to five years of minor league baseball to be able to determine you get to the professional, I mean, to the major league level. Remember, um, the majority of minor league players never play a major league baseball game. Well, it, mm-hmm. it, it's stupid to have that model. You increase the value of major uh, of college baseball, and if a player, uh, after three years or four years of college baseball, can step in on a major league roster, good for them. The, the concept of go to single A ball and work your way—that's stupid. This doesn't make any like sense what, anymore. I like what Brock Heward tweeted the other day. He tweeted, "If the business of baseball is so bad for the owners, why are there no teams for sale?" <laughs> Right. Well, that's you know Rob Manfred made the comment that your money's you know better spent in the S and P five hundred. It's like, well, I'm not quite sure that a major league baseball team has decreased in value in the last twenty five years. But you know, again, they're talking. Um, they'll get it resolved. As much as I love spring training and the beauty of it, um, if I told you tomorrow that they'll start the season in mid May, you'll be okay. It's fine. You know, we'll survive. Absolutely. Speaking of the S&P 500, it looks like it's going to be a bad day on the stock market with this Russian invasion of Ukraine, Daniels. Not happy about that. Yeah, usually war is not a good sign for mm. the market unless you're, you know, um, a few stocks. But welcome to the modern media world of uh, military about, conflicts being televised. What? What about the What about the crypto ruble market? How's that going to be? The crypto ruble market? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're in crypto like stocks, you're taking a hit the last couple of days. And the crypto bros uh, can put whatever spin they want, but red is red, which means you're down. So, mm, yeah. All right, straight ahead. Uh, something I said yesterday, I think it's true. I think it's closer and closer to being true. I think Phil Mickelson has been suspended. By the PGA Tour, I'll explain next and get your opinion on the bridge. Welcome back to the bridge brought to you by Advent Health. It's time to feel whole with Advent Health. To learn more, visit AdventHealth.com. All right, so Daniels, yesterday I was speculating that I think Phil Mickelson, or I thought that Phil Mickelson was going to be suspended. I think he has been suspended now after what happened yesterday when the PGA Tour commissioner, um, uh, what's Monahan's first name? Um, uh, lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Is it Pat Monahan? Anyway, Commissioner Monahan was asked a question at at a press conference down at the Honda Classic. Has Phil Mickelson been suspended? And he would not comment on it. Said he did not want to comment on it, and he cited the tour's longstanding policy of not commenting on disciplinary issues. Gutless. Uh, uh, that, that they've always been like this. 
gutless. It's not new. Yes, I, I agree. It's gutless, but this isn't anything new. Jay Monahan's his name, by the way. Yeah. Um. Do you think he's been suspended? Because I do, especially when Phil Mickelson had that that cryptic thing in his apology the other day where he said, "I need to take some time off," mm-hmm. and he didn't really didn't really. You know, say how much time he's taking off. Why is he taking time off? Nothing like that. I think he. I think he's been suspended, Daniels. Well, I can't say you're wrong, although uh, you can't claim you're right. I think what may have yeah. happened is whether Phil Mickelson communicated with Jay Monahan or uh, somebody from Phil's camp communicated with Jay Monahan. Maybe there's an understanding. It's in the best interest of both parties if right now Phil doesn't play anytime soon. And maybe it's not the right time to have a conversation between, um, you know, the two, and they've just kind of agreed that Phil will lay low. Whether that's been a formal suspension uh, or not, I don't know. Um, I did read the grounds that a commissioner can suspend a player. It's pretty liberal, meaning he can really make any ruling that he wants, which basically boils down to what every commissioner has in the best interest of your sport. And if Monaghan believes that Phil Mickelson should be suspended because he's brought harm to the game, then he does have a right to do it. Mickelson would have a right to an appeal before a player's board um, and, and and you know if he wanted to challenge that. So maybe you're right. Maybe the two sides have just agreed, and maybe Phil had no plans to play anytime soon. So when asked Monaghan yesterday, instead of saying, no, he's not, just didn't give an answer because maybe they've had discussions. I'll I'll go as far to meet you by saying I do think that there's an understanding that he's just going to step away uh, from the tour right now. Whether he's been formally suspended or not, I don't know. And when I say gutless, I know it's been the PGA's policy of the past, but as polarizing as this issue has been, if you've taken action on Phil Mickelson, then have the guts to say so. Then just say his conduct was not acceptable to our tour and the players. I've heard from the players. It's been damaging to the tour. And for these reasons, Phil has been suspended. Instead, we'll do the, well, you know, I'm not going to comment about it because that's how golf operates. Um, I'm still not quite sure what the grounds would be other than his conduct isn't best for um the game. I'd love to have had a transcript or the audio of the uh, of the mandatory players meeting that Monahan had yesterday. Because mm-hmm. uh, uh, again, what Phil Mickelson said, these are the consequences of what he said. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'd still love to hear if anybody, you know, once they got done ripping Phil Mickelson, if anybody asked Jay Monahan now about a few of these points, Jay. Because I do think he's going to have to answer to some of the business uh, practices of how the PGA Tour handles things. And I, I, I am just curious. I do think that there is a rallying of PGA players to distance themselves from Phil Mickelson to show their support to the PGA Tour because the optics of it. But I still believe that Phil Mickelson, although the PR approach was wrong, has to raise some points where the PGA Tour has not gone far enough in the increased dollars and in players' rights, that Monaghan, for his sake, should be smart enough to realize he has some waves on the horizon to deal with. I'm curious about this as well. Now, obviously, we've seen everybody just turn tail and run away from Phil Mickelson. 
But there there were the rumblings or the reports that there were a bunch of golfers ready to, you know, maybe join this Saudi back tour, including Bryson DeChambeau and some others. And now all of them have turned tail and ran. Do you, do you think that's because of what Phil said to Alan Shipnuck? There's volatile comments he made to Alan Shipnuck. Or do you think there were never 20 guys getting ready to bolt the PGA Tour and, and join the Saudi back tour? I don't know. I, 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 I'm guessing that there have been several players that were open to the idea of doing both. I mean, there still is a legal question, as I was reading yesterday. I'm going to ask Richard Hill when he's on tomorrow, my sports uh, attorney law segment, or the sports law segment. There's still people that question if the PGA Tour can legally ban somebody just because they're playing in a competing tour. Now, some say that there is um, in the bylaws where the tour could take action. I do think there are some players that are curious about the challenge of that, meaning, wait a minute, okay, Let's We're say, independent contractors, right? Right, right. So, so, so let's play, you know, I, I play what is thought to be a reasonable schedule, like Tiger Woods was playing, you know, during his end of the prime, right? If I've got eight other weekends and I want to go play in something, you should be able to ban me? And if the answer, well, it's a competing tour. Well, hang on a second. To some degree... The European Tour competes with the PGA Tour, and there are some weeks that players choose to go play in the European Tour and not mm, the PGA Tour. Now, you're required to play an X number of PGA events to keep your card, but I do think those are some of the things that I think players are going to begin to ask and say, well, wait a minute, why? What's the di- but what's the difference, Dan? Okay, so the PGA Tour tells a player, um, hey, if you're going to play in this competing tour you can't play on this tour what i mean you've been in the radio business a long time don't radio contracts don't they have like non-compete clauses in them that even if you leave the radio station there's so many months or even years that you can't go to work at another radio station in the market what's it i mean well but hang on a second one uh What? No, there is a difference because the player already is allowed to play on multiple tours. The PGA Tour just happens to be sanctioning the European event. But the World Golf Championships, okay? Mm -hmm. Why do the World Golf Championships exist? They exist for one reason only. What is it? Money. Well, money and what? They... They tried to block Greg Norman's plan 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Greg Norman had an idea of saying, hey, I'll put on 8 to 10 events, and I'll invite the world's mm-hmm. best players and give it a massive purse. And the PJ Tour says, wait, we have an idea. We'll create the World Golf Championships events. Which, by the way... Yeah, not- Greg Norman got mad about that. Right. By the way. But, but, but that's what they did. And, and is that event open to every player? No, it's not. Now, the PGA Tour says, well, but some weeks when we have a WGC event, we have another PGA Tour event going on. Oh, so, uh, you know, that's okay. I mean, again, Mickelson is going to be ostracized for the way he went about it. And I said yesterday his PR plan really backfired. And the comments to Alan Shipnuck, I, I think, made people run from Phil Mickelson. 
But in five years, people may look back at the points raised by Mickelson and say, these are legitimate points that players now are asking. And that's why Greg Norman was quite vocal yesterday. Norman, if you saw, put out a, a, a statement about um, the PGA Tour. They can't ban you. They don't have a legal right to stop you from playing in competing events. And, Mike, I do think it's a valid question. Let's say, let's say, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a Swiss financial company, okay, wanted to put on a golf tour with twenty million dollar purses. If it's not Saudi backed money, what's the public reaction? I'm not saying the PGA Tour would have the same reaction, but I do think that's a factor in this. That because it's that group and their history, both in politics, human rights. Sports washing, how they've used sports to kind of distract you from their other issues. If it was, you know, a, 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 a financial group in Switzerland, I'm not quite sure there'd be as big an uproar. Now, the PGA Tour might uh, still be screaming. Yeah, well, I have a thought on that. Let's pause real quick for station identification. I think you're right when you say if it were a Swiss-backed uh, a golfer soup uh, a golf super league, would it be perceived differently? Yes, I think you're right. I also think though, I think Phil Mickelson's comments of a few days ago, that's what turned the tide. I I, I think the general public would have raised an eyebrow, but you know, again. The NBA has been in bed with China for years, and we just sort of accept that as, hey, doing business overseas, that's what happens. As you like to say, hey, if you don't want the NBA. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. NBA to do business with China then throw away your, your iPhone. All of that. I think that would have been the reaction to the Saudi-based golf league until Phil just absolutely put his foot in his mouth by acknowledging all of the human rights issues in Saudi Arabia, even though we know about them. Everybody knows about them, just like we know about the human rights issues in China, but the NBA just doesn't speak about them. Phil did. Mike, the great Jack Nicklaus um, had a media a session at the Honda uh, Tuesday and, you know, kind of ripped Phil Mickelson and talked about the PGA Tour, how good it's been for Phil, and talked about, you know, the, the player's responsibility and then kind of made a, you know, joke about, players leaving and well I guess they're not going Philby by himself last year Jack Nicholas announced he's building a course in the Middle East like mm. Jack did you forget yeah. what the company's doing I mean <laughs> I mean hello Mike on uh, so um, as I said before I think there are times that you could separate your position on supporting human rights, social to a degree, political issues, and recognize, like I've said about products from China, doesn't mean you're supporting their government's position on things. Um, in Phil's case, like I said, I just think he didn't realize 
it would get to the extent, and I think the pitch was wrong, as opposed to rallying support, which, Mike, maybe he did, and maybe it blew up. And that's why I'm curious, who's got pen to paper? How many guys that have publicly stated their loyalty to the PGA Tour in the last week put a name on a sheet of paper that's a contract? Now, if there's no tour, I don't know if you can be held to anything, but we're just assuming Phil Mickelson's the only guy. I don't know. How many of the top players have a contract right now wondering, how do I get out of it? I mean, when does that story get out that, 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 that somebody actually signed? Because there was the report last week that they hit the 20 players. Now, again, maybe 15 of those are guys well past their prime. Uh, but if it's one guy, if it's one guy in the top 20 that put name to paper and that story gets out, and I'm sorry to put his name in this, but just to give you an example, if next week somebody reports that Bryson DeChambeau signed mm-hmm. a working agreement to be part of the tour, does he get ostracized next, even though he publicly stated his loyalty to the PGA Tour? Well, considering how his reputation has plummeted in the last year since he won the Arnold Palmer invitation, yes, yes. In fact, Bryson DeChambeau, I mean, some of these other players have really gone after Phil Mickelson, Rory McIlroy being the main one. Bryson DeChambeau has just sort of quietly... Uh, yeah, I, I'm on board with the PGA Tour. You don't see him going after anybody. You don't see him going after Phil. Maybe there is something with his name on it. I don't know. Uh, I, uh, I, yeah, I, I'm I'm not aware, but I'm just saying if that comes out again, we're just assuming, well, it's all done. Well, wait a minute. There was the story of the 20 guys, you know, two weeks of the players is when they were supposed to be that announcement. We're just supposed to assume that Phil was the only guy? Several people ran with that report that said, "Yeah, they've got twenty. They'll announce it, you know, the week of the players." So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens, and, and maybe there are a few golfers right now with a team of lawyers going, "You know, what do we do with this?" Well, if there's no tour, then the, you know, then then there's no deal. And all right, but but if somebody put a name to paper, you don't think somebody from the Saudi side is going to leak it? <laughs> to, you know, um, to put it out there. Yeah, yeah. Hey, real quick. Um, so we were talking about this earlier this morning. The, the Patrick Ewing, uh, the coach Georgetown, um, comes out and says he thinks the handshake line, the post game handshake line, should be eliminated in college basketball because what happened with Juwan Howard and and uh, Greg Gard, the coach of Wisconsin. Um, is there an actual movement to do away with the handshake line? And what I wanted to ask you is, has there always been a handshake line in college basketball? Uh, as long as I've been doing games, to say I know exactly when it started, I, I don't know. And when you say a movement outside of a few people on social media and then the media yeah. asking coaches the last couple of days, I'm not aware um, of uh, of anything. Listen, it, 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 it's not a requirement, but... Like, are we really doing this because of the one incident right. that took place? Like, we're that's really doing I, that's this? What, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, wh- wh- how about how about just like not not hitting the other coach? Isn't that an easier solution than eliminating the handshake line altogether? Yeah, I, look, I don't care if somebody you know feels like you know what I'm 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 too heated the way the game went. I'm just going to walk off. I, I I don't have any problem with that. I, mm. I, I I don't. But but to say now we've got to you know move towards. 
uh, something to, to, to ban this. Like, come on. Just how about acting like normal people? You know, some sportsmanship is left. You know, it's like, oh, you know, you knock somebody down, don't help him back up. Why? Because the evil sports god will, uh, you know, put a curse on you? Like, <laughs> what are we doing? And, and and as much as I love Patrick Ewing the Nick, how about winning a Big East game? Is he still winless in the yes, Big East? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. No he doesn't want to shake hands with Everybody's yeah. beating his butt. And I, look, my guy, I've done games. Is he going to get fired? You can't fire Patrick Ewing at Georgetown. He's got to leave it in his own. Can't do it. You cannot fire Patrick Ewing at Georgetown. You have to have a discussion with Patrick that says maybe we just you kind of agree down. that you want to step away and whatever you want to well, do, you, but you can't you fire Patrick fire, Ewing. You could fire him. You if can, he, if you were but to go, you can't. <laughs> if you were to go winless again, you always thought you couldn't fire Bobby Bowden. I know, I know, but, well, they didn't technically fire Bobby Bowden. They pushed him away. I'm just saying you can't use the word termination of fire when you have royalty like that. And, you know, I, I'm sure Georgetown may have a discussion with uh, uh, Patrick Ewing. But, uh, you know, that's the classic case of the school, and it happens all the time in college sports. He caught lightning in a bottle, and they made a run over a three-week period last year and ran to give him a new contract. Already under contract, had no reason to do it. Like, give him more money. Like, wait a minute. We really weren't that good to begin with. We had a good three weeks. Get more money. And now you're like, well, now we got to buy him out. Like, well, you gave him a new contract. You put yourself so, in this. How much did they extend this contract by? I think he got two years put on. I don't think all of it's guaranteed. I think he had an additional guaranteed year put on it. But it's a couple more million dollars that now you're thinking about paying. Not that Georgetown's short on money, but still, it's like... They had three good weeks, and people fell in love with Georgetown. You know, I'll never forget Michael Wilbon, who I know has great love for Patrick Ewing and is very good friends with him. I remember watching mm-hmm. PTI when, you know, they're making the run of the Big East tournament. He goes, he's deserved anything they give him. It's unbelievable. This team could win the NCAA championship. Yeah, and then they were done. <laughs> it was like, Mike, they, you know, they were good for three weeks. They weren't a very good team. But, oh, well. So what happens? He just can't recruit. Is that is that it? Uh, he's not recruited well, and they're not a very good team. And and uh, Patrick, like a lot of people, just go find some transfers. And and you know, it's not, it's not that Patrick doesn't know basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people, you know, it, it doesn't work where they are. Um, and and maybe Patrick, you know, is a better assistant. Maybe Georgetown wasn't the right job for him. But Georgetown basketball's fallen on really hard times. And outside of the you know, three-week run they had last year hasn't been good in quite some time. It's been a long time since they've been good. John Thompson III was good at having a winning record, but didn't have anywhere near the success of his dad, which is almost impossible to measure to that dominance. You know, the thing I laugh about Patrick, and again, my Nick Love for Patrick, remember, Mike, that that incredible basketball player spent four years at Georgetown. <laughs> Right. right? <laughs> Today, he'd spend maybe the fall semester and then just sit out the spring semester get said to be the number one pick of the draft. That guy spent four years in college. Yeah, and but a case could be made. Hell, Dan, you're pro- You remember when college basketball players were bigger, almost bigger stars than NBA players? Oh, sure. Well, because that's what you did. You stayed in college. You played 
uh, career. You know, you go back and take a look at drafts that happened in the 80s, and it was full of seniors. And then we started, you know. Yeah, go, go back even further, like Bill Walton, Kareem, guys like that. Yeah, they were bigger stars in college. Now, obviously, they, be, they became big stars in the NBA as well, but that's why the NBA always liked players staying in college because they were instant stars when they got into the league, right? Right, but then we had the wave that said we have to draft based on upside, and if you're 20 years old, you're old. We can no longer <laughs> you know, use your services. You need to be 18 and the raw kid that played in high school against guys five foot five and dominated. We want more of those guys. If you've played three years of college, you're old. They're not good. All right, we anyway. come back. We got more of the bridge brought to you by Advent Health after timeout. Love me a little Boz Yeah. We're talking with a Boz this morning. It was a straight actor. He was, he was an actor? Well, Brian Bosworth in that movie Stone Cold, you guys were talking oh, about. Oh, you're talking about the boss. <laughs> not, not boss Skag. Was that Boss Skag's biggest hit? No. Nah. Lowdown. Lowdown was pretty good. We've got a couple actual Boss Skag songs in uh, the system. What else outside of this? We got, we got Lowdown, Heart of Mine, Look What You've Done to Me, Lido Shuffle, JoJo, and We're All Alone. Mm. Mm. Boz. Not enough bosses bo- out there, right? What's that? Did, None of bosses are, are there. <laughs> nah. Did the boss ever make a movie after Stone Cold? Was that his only movie? Hang on. Um, Brian Bosworth? I don't know if he had We're, cameos or something in some you know, other movie. I remember how bad that was. I was actually looking was really forward bad. to that movie when it came out. And, I, and, even, and I love bad movies. Like Roadhouse is my favorite movie. Yeah. I love bad movies. But that was even too, like, I love action movies, bad action movies, Steven Seagal movies. I've seen them all, all right? Way back in the day, Charles Bronson movie, saw them all, all right? But the Boz movie was even, even, even so bad I couldn't watch it. I'm so disappointed that you didn't see the follow-up, One Man's Justice. Oh, when a man's God. wife and family are murdered, he plots revenge only to find out the killer is under federal protection and he must exact his own form of justice. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. That old Charles Bronson theme right there. Mm. And then there was Virus, Mid- <laughs> M- Midnight Heat. And- were these all direct-to-video? Uh, does not say. Uh-huh. Did he star in these or did he? Yes! Yes, and well, then in 19... 19- so it's a loose word. Oh, there was a sequel to Stone Cold. Oh, God. Stone Cold 2, Back in Business. Mm. Mike, that's got hey. you written all over, like a five-hour movie watch session of that, Stone Cold and Stone Cold 2. Right after I'm done binge-watching The Rifleman, I'm on I'm on a, a season three right now, I will do that. Absolutely. Oh, my God, he's... Well, and then yeah, what the, are you laughing at, Dan? Was, I am binge-watching The Rifle. Oh, I know that. I've heard you say that, yeah. And then yeah. in the 2000s, he's got a bunch of straight-to-DVD movies. Yeah. Wow. 
Mm. Those residual checks just keep pouring through. Yeah. What do you like about rewatching the Rifleman? His honesty, the fact that he's always around crime. Uh, there's always a message at the. It's sort of like it's sort of like a Western version of the Andy Griffith show. He has yeah. his son Mark. Yep. And then there's the old sheriff Micah. Yep. And he always has a message yeah. for Mark at the end of the show. Yep. It's like and, Jerry Springer. No. No. <laughs> And Chuck and Chuck Connors, former baseball player, by the way, and basketball guy. Yeah, he was a he was a good actor. Yeah, good actor. Yeah, unlike the boss. Whoa, I think Brady will be a good actor too. Honestly, I think Tom Brady will will do well. I don't think movies. he'll do a lot of movies. You don't? No. He's sort of got the the matinee. He's still a good looking guy. Oh, he's Benjamin Button. He's getting better looking uh, mm-hmm. by the year and getting younger by the year. But I, I'm not quite sure. I mean, clearly this is something that's been planned for a while. I don't think Tom goes, hey, I'm in a movie. Get me Sally Fields and Rita Moreno. Um, and Lily Tomlin. And Lily Tomlin. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yesterday I played um, a clip from All-Star uh, Sunday at the All-Star mm-hmm. Game with the honor of the 75 players from Shaquille yeah. O'Neal. And Shaquille uh, was on the TNT set, and he spent about four minutes thanking everybody, his mom, his dad, his sister, and players, and, uh, you know, that uh, helped pave the way for him. And and um, I love Shaq, and, and it, it kind of hit me. He talked about when he got out to L.A., he, he was all about gold chains and, and rap albums and movies and so forth and about Jerry West sitting him down and, and, and having a conversation. You know, I mean, if you want to be great, you got to uh, work at it and, you know, look up at the Raptors at the forum. He said that uh, when he read a, a story that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, criticized him and said as great as he is, how many championships has he won, it motivated him. And I said this, I still believe if Shaquille stays in Orlando, the Magic win championships. I don't know how many, but I think they would have won titles. I do think him and Penny would have been such a dominating force. But I do wonder, not the fault of the Magic because of how young the franchise was at the time, did a lack of history and a lack of either people in the front office or former players play any role in O'Neal not staying here? That Los Angeles and the Lakers and that brand and Jerry West with the pitch helped a young, at that time still immature Shaq, realize that greatness will motivate me. And and the Magic didn't have that. Again, the franchise had been around just a few years, where there's the I'll brand of the Lakers yeah. and, and those championships of, of Kareem and Magic and Jerry West and, you know, Pat Riley, a, a history there. Did that play a role? And I wonder maybe if it did. I'll, t- I'll take it a step further. I, I don't know if he would have won championships in Orlando for the, for some of the reasons you're just mentioning. He gets out to L.A. He's got Jerry West there. All right, saying, "Listen, there's a responsibility to being a Laker. You need to you need to work it." And I'm not saying that the Magic front office at the time uh, uh, didn't you know try to advise Shaq. All right, but they didn't have the gravitas. There's there's a pressure about playing. With the Lakers, all right? And when I think back on the Magic, all right? And I wasn't here during the Shaq years, so I can't even speak to that. But I was here during the Dwight years. I was here during the T-Mac years. The Magic sort of allowed their superstars to sort of... mm, What's the word I'm looking for? 
they allowed their superstars to to become selfish, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. I, I I think I think Dwight became selfish. He he, you know, he started out as the lovable young kid and. He started getting an ego, and and maybe that would have happened at another franchise, but I, I just think the Magic allowed their superstars to become um, more individu- individualistic than they should have, and to a degree bigger than the team because there was no history to create that counterbalance where there's a standard of greatness that came before you in Los Angeles or if you were in Boston, places like that. And, again, the Magic didn't have that. So when Shaq became Shaq, there was nothing to compare him to. I mean, that was the biggest thing the Magic had in a very young history of the franchise where maybe as you get older and mature and then Kobe comes and he's a part of that, that, you know, you can think you're really good. And then Kareem Abdul-Jabbar says you're nothing. You've won no championships. What, 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 what are you, a dunk machine? And it hits you like, whoa. And Magic Johnson says, listen, he's right. You can be great, but you have to win titles, and, and then you can be part of our group. And you know, maybe that was a motivating factor. Remember, Jerry West just wanted a shot with, with Shaq. Now, whether he should have gotten it and the Magic should have made the offer that they were looking for and he signs and, and never leaves, Orlando, who knows? But the fact is, I do think that maybe he felt like that woke me up, that, that that I needed to be one of them, and I wanted to become one of them. And as much as people you know, look and laugh at Shaq, the big goofy guy, he absolutely became a historian of the game, and I do think has an appreciation for the players before him, even those that didn't win at the level that he won, too. Yeah, no question. And again, we don't we don't know what would have happened had he stayed with Orlando, just like we don't, you know, we don't know what would happen if Dwight and T-Mac... But remember when remember when T Mac uh, his last years in or- in Orlando and they made Wisebrod the GM and that didn't work. Mm-hmm. I I think that was the Magic's uh, flawed idea of trying to reel in T Mac and try to make him more of a team guy and all of this that you know they brought in the hockey guy and you know you need to be unselfish and don't step on the logo and you know. He sort of challenged T Mac, and and we we know how it worked out. I mean, it was a it was a disaster. But I think the Magic were actually trying to turn T Mac into a more team oriented player, and it just didn't work. No, and so. again, I'm not comparing every franchise to the Lakers, but the Magic's answer was either John Weisbrod and Bob Vanderwey. Yeah, I mean, that was the front office that you're trying to sell when you had other franchises, but you know, career NBA people or, you know, former players around that have won championships considered among the greats. And, you know, you just didn't have that history there. So, All right, peace, love, boil peanuts. Have a great show. It's a Thursday edition of the Beat of Sports. Next. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.